This morning we find ourselves at the fourth chapter of John's Gospel. So if you turn to John 4, and one of the most beautiful stories found in all of the Gospels is found here in the story that we normally call the woman at the well. But this morning I'd like to take a little different spin A very thirsty soul. A very thirsty soul, a woman who came in the middle of the day, in the sixth hour, to get water. She thought she was coming for water, H2O, that which is necessary for life, of course, that which is needful. She thought she was coming for a pitcher of water. But what she was really looking for was something far more important. It wasn't just her lips that were dry. Her soul was dry. Her soul was needy. Her soul was aching. And I want to begin this morning by asking you a fairly simple question. How do you respond to people who are obviously sinful? Obviously have problems. Very clearly have some issues in their life. What do you say to them? You know, I see so many people that are hurting and in need and yet We who are the church, we are the body of Christ, we who believe in the Lord Jesus, sometimes, instead of offering living water, offer what the Pharisees offer. Legalism. Judgment. A declaration of that person's sinful behavior. And while it's necessary for someone to come to conviction of sin to be saved from it. Do we actually follow through and offer them the living water? Or do we merely point out their faults and weaknesses so that they can know that they're wrong? And I pray that what you see in the beauty of this passage will challenge you to never leave anybody thirsty. Always offer the recipe for quenching that thirst. Please don't just be a fault finder. Please don't be a legalist. Please don't simply point out people's problems without giving them the solution to those problems, which is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we have come in order to study your word. And Lord, we pray right now by the power of your spirit that you would move in this place. And God, I pray that you would cure legalism, that you'd lay waste to the bondage that it brings. As we study this passage, would you bless us with your presence by your spirit? For as Jesus will declare, they that worship you do so in spirit and in truth. 
And so bless us as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. John's going to show us four different groups of people. We're only going to take the woman at the well today, this thirsty soul. But in these people here in John 4, we see people that were despised. We see people that were hated. We see people socioeconomically disadvantaged. We see people who had a religious understanding and those who didn't. We see a broad swath of mankind, and that is the world in which we live today. We live in the same world, perhaps not the same reason and certainly not the same weight on Judaism, but definitely in a world that's filled with thirsty people. In order to properly understand this passage, you have to understand its context. And so let's read from verse 1. And let's take all 30 verses as we read these things together that the Lord records for us by his Spirit. And therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees has heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, be his home area, But he needed to go through Samaria. And so he's in the middle of Judea, the hills surrounding Jerusalem. There were three principal ways that you could get back to Galilee. One would be to take the Jericho Road down to Jericho along the Jordan Valley and up along the Jordan River to the north side of the Sea of Galilee. The other would have been to go back basically through his hometown of Nazareth and then down along next to Cana to Magdala. The third way, which would have been the shortest route between those two places, would to be the travel through Samaria. And we'll look at the history of the hatred that was in Samaria. So he needed to go through Samaria. Time was of the essence. And so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Joseph, or Jacob, gave to his son Joseph. And now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied uh, from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. The Jews calendared the day and clocked the day from daybreak. So the sixth hour, normally around noon, middle of the day, hottest part of the day. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And understand there's two things at play there. One, that she's a Samaritan. The other, that she's a woman. Neither were okay. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, I have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. If you travel today, this very well is inside of an Orthodox church. 
today it's about 20 meters deep. It used to be 30 or more meters deep, and it still has water in it. You would have needed something to draw with. You weren't just simply going to dip a bucket in it. Where then do you get that living water? You can see how she's focused on the wrong thing, amen? She, she's thinking that the water itself is this living, some kind of fountain of youth, maybe. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And then we get to it. And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He says to her, lady, you, you could dip your bucket all day long down this well, pull it out and bathe in it and drink it until you couldn't handle any more water and you're still going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She still has it wrong. He thinks, this is awesome. I'm going to have an eternal spring right inside my body. I'll never have to go to the well again. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband to come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. For you have spoken truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem as you worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. And we know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship, worship him. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Notice verse 26. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, the disciples came, and they marveled and talked with the woman, yet no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking to her? And the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. The story of a very thirsty soul. A woman whose 
life was marked by very clear habits of sin. A woman in an inopportune place and an inopportune time, but she had had a history of suffering. Because in that region, there was a history of suffering, of hatred. The roots of prejudice went deep into their history. And I think before you can really understand this passage, you need to understand that very history. Because the Samaritans were actually half-breed people. They came to be because when the Assyrians conquered the northern tribes, the ten tribes in the north, those aligned with the tribe of Dan and obliterated them. There in 727 B.C., they killed all of the men and then took the Jewish women and raped them. And the product, in essence, of that rape and pillage were Samaritan children, half Assyrian and half Jews. They were loved by no one, hated by everyone. The Assyrians hated them, the Jews hated them, and they were a people who were isolated. And they suffered the most extreme racial prejudice that one can really imagine. Very similar to what we have experienced in our culture, in our day and time. Many of you here have suffered that kind of prejudice. Many of you here have suffered underneath that weight. This woman knew what that was like. And furthermore, she made some really poor choices. You see, this place that she was dwelling in was one of the most sacred places to the Jewish people you could imagine. It was the location of, of Shechem. This is the, the place that Abraham built his altar. It's the location of Jacob's well. It's the place where Joshua, after the conquest, stands between these two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, and he, he pronounces the blessings and the curses upon the people. And he gives them at that time the most wonderful principles uh, that the Jewish people to this day still carry with them. He announces to them, uh, you can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he gives them this blessing of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And he goes on to describe to them, Take these words, worship the Lord with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and write these things on your frontlets and on your wrist and place them on the doorpost of your house. That happened in Sakar, Shechem. Holy, and it's occupied by a foreign source. Can we roll off the low end? It's rumbling really bad up here. Thank you. You see this, this place that we see today as modern Nablus, two mountain peaks, for the Jewish people became a place of torment because it was there, the cave of Malpeca, that place that Abraham was buried, the place that Isaac would be buried, 
the place that Rachel would be buried was occupied by a bunch of people that reminded them that they had failed. Now imagine that this woman on top of that was also fairly well known in the community as a woman who was immoral. In John chapter 3, you have an extremely moral man, Nicodemus, who needs Jesus. In John chapter 4, you have an extremely immoral woman. And the answer for both is the same. You see, there is no salvation apart from Jesus. And he offers freely the water of life. And so here at this well, the reason she's coming at noon is she's well known in the community. She's living with a man she's not even married to. She's already had five husbands. And Lord knows how many other men had been in her life. And in fact, one might imagine that as men saw her, what they saw was her sin. You see, very often we only see people's sin. Jesus sees someone who needs to be saved. Needs to come to faith. The Lord would have had every reason to not get anywhere near this woman. The reason I believe she's coming at the middle of the day, no one came to get water in the middle of the day. Most people would have done it in the morning or the evening when it was cooler. Taking water pots and carrying them back to your place, you don't want to do that when it's near 100. And so Jesus is sitting there, this incredibly opportune time as far as he's concerned, and she sees four things. First and foremost, that he was a Jewish man. The Lord sets aside custom. The Lord sets aside prejudice. The Lord sets aside absolutely everything. Even though he is a Jewish man, she actually remarks, you're a Jew, why would you even talk to me? She understood why the men of the village wanted to talk to her. They wanted something from her. Jesus, being a Jew, immediately breaks down those walls of prejudice. He immediately begins to speak to the heart of the issue. You see, the Jewish believer at that time, someone who was a Jewish person, even prayed that no Samaritans would be raised in the resurrection. They wouldn't even share a common vessel if there was something to draw water. A Jew would not take water from a Samaritan. That's how deep the hatred went. And so she immediately notices there's something different about this Jewish man. Do people notice there's something different about you? Do people notice there's something different about you when you talk to them? Are you one who can break down walls? Are you one who can set aside prejudice? Are you one who can be used of the Lord anywhere, anytime, any place 
for the purpose of the gospel. You see, Jesus was a Jew, but it was only to the Jew first that salvation belonged. It was for everybody. We need to be careful, family, that we don't become Judaizers with our faith. Because there is no one, not a single person, that God has cursed to the place salvation that comes by grace and through faith can't reach them. Let's make sure we're being what Jesus was to this woman. And that's someone who can look past everything to see a person in need. It's a beautiful picture of how the gospel really is supposed to work. Yeah, she was a very polluted vessel. And the Samaritans were blind to the Jews, and the Jews were blind to the Samaritans. But the bottom line is, blind people are blind. You need to expect that you're going to run into blind people pretty much every day. And you have the answer to what ails them. Blindness in part has come upon the Jewish people, but there will be a day that they will as a nation look upon that one whom they pierced and mourn as one does for a firstborn. They're they're going to come to faith eventually. But you know, people who are caught in New Age or Wiccan philosophy or secular humanism or Darwinistic evolution are just as lost as this Samaritan woman. They're just as blind. You see, he was a Jew that cared about a Samaritan. Are you caring about lost people around you regardless of what they look like or what they've done? A second thing, she notices that he's greater than Jacob. You see, here it says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Jacob's well's a big deal. It's still a big deal to the Jewish people. They're literally furious that it's inside of an Orthodox church. That is the well that Jacob, the patriarch, dug and gave to his people. Passed along for millennia now. But Jesus is saying, look, water's water. Spiritual life is a different matter, amen? You see, sometimes I get asked, you know, about why we do certain things, and they may be social things, they may be, you know, things that are practical, or things like, why do we do an alternative to, to Halloween? You know, let me, let, me be, let me be blunt. I would love it if we would strike Halloween from the calendar, okay? I, I'd be perfectly good with that. <laughs> I'd help write the legislation. But the bottom line is, we've been called into this world for the very specific reason of being light when it's dark. Amen? So, so you can kind of start seeing, you know, I, I actually had a guy come to me and, you know, I, 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 was, I was dressed up. Walked right past me at first. 
And he came back, are you the pastor? I said, uh-huh. He said, why are you doing this? I said, so that people can see Jesus. We could have stood at the gates and said, well, if you have this kind of costume or that kind of costume or if you're dressed this way or dressed that way and you don't meet our criteria, then would you just stay out because the light's not for you? But that's not what we did. And at least two of those people that gave their life to Jesus came in what you and I would call an inappropriate costume. The whole world is in inappropriate costumes. Amen? If it's going to be all about inappropriate costumes, then we should just give up. Because the world is dark, but we have the light of the world in us, and we need to shine that light. Amen? In that sense, the church is greater than Jacob. This is the message that she's getting. Look, it's not about water. It's not about all these things. It's about Christ alone for the remission of sin. And without Jesus, there is no remission of sin. And the living water is standing before this woman saying, you're after the wrong water. Do you know why people sit in bars getting drunk? They're after the wrong water. Do you know why people do drugs? They're after the wrong water. Do you know why kids are in gangs? They're after the wrong water. Do you know why one race doesn't like another race? The wrong waters in the world. We have the answer to that, family. We have the answer to what ails the world. And it's greater than whatever their prejudice is. It's greater than whatever the difference is. He is just simply greater than all of those things. If we won't tell the world that then we're not leading them to the truth because the truth is God loves everyone. He's the God of the Samaritans. Amen? He's the God of the Jews. He's the God of every race. And he is the only answer. We need to leave him the only answer. Let's let's not make our Jesus a Calvary Chapel Jesus. Let's not make our Jesus a white Jesus. There's no white Jesus. Let me square away your understanding. Jesus wasn't white. He was not white. He was Middle Eastern. He had dark skin, dark hair. He did not look like Max von Sydow. (laughs) If anything, he would have looked more Jewish and Arab. Let's, let's not make him white. Let's make him very attractive to all who ask. Amen? He is greater than Jacob. He's also a prophet. Notice the next thing. Go and call your husband. I, I, can you imagine what she's thinking when he says this? It's like, 
Uh-oh. <laughs> Busted. You see, you can't have conversion without conviction. Jesus says to her, look, let's get to the heart of the issue. The reason you need living water is you're a sinner. And he loves sinners. But sinners need to know that they need a Savior. And so he says, go get your husband. Can I tell you that God knows your sin too? He already knows where you were last night. He knows what you did last week. He knows what you've been mapping out. If you came today and you have a plan for sin this afternoon, I can tell you right now, God in heaven already knows it. He knows what you got planned. He knows who you're going to do it with. He knows what you're thinking. He knows the preparations you've made to carry that sin out. You're not fooling him. So here's what he says to you. Do you want living water? Or do you want your sin? Do you want to keep the reason that you're actually thirsty in the first place? Or would you like to be refreshed forever? You see, that's the message that Jesus brings. Yes, he was and is and always will be a prophet. He can look at the soil of your heart. He knows exactly what it is that needs to be done to plow it up. It's amazing to me how many times when I pray with people, it's like, oh, you were just speaking right to me. Well, no, I wasn't, but there was somebody who was. Because he knows what you need to hear. Those words came from the Lord. And he's speaking prophetically into your life. You see, she needed to know who to worship and where to worship and how to worship. She'd seen it all done wrong. She understood very clearly the wrong way. Matter of fact, the Samaritans had built a temple under the permission of Alexander the Great in 332 B.C. It was still up on the hill when Jesus met this woman. There up on Mount Gerizim was a temple to the Samaritans, to their gods. And she could look up there and go, well, it's not up there. Can I tell you, people come to the same conclusion about Lord Shiva, Krishna and Vishnu, Buddha, Muhammad, they all lead the same place. And it's not the living water. It's to eternal damnation. And when I say that, people, oh! The world bristles. The Mormon Jesus is not the real Jesus. The world bristles. She didn't need to be told whether where there was another temple, another place of stone. She needed living water in her own personal life, and that was the only thing that was going to fix the problem. Family of God, we cannot back off of the only way, the only truth, the only life, because no one comes to the Father but by him. And that is an offense to many. But it's only an offense to those who are perishing. But to we who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. You, you see, 
Jesus, if he was a good polytheist, would have said, well, you know, as long as you, you know, worship something. As long as you worship somewhere, it's really just a matter about how you feel about it. If you have a God, if you believe in a higher power, just give your doorknob a name and worship it. You'll be fine. You see, that's the message our world is still speaking. I worship creation. I think dolphins and babies are the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's still the world we live in. It's still how it's going. They need living water. And so to that end, she finishes this passage by understanding that he is the Christ. He says something unique and extremely forceful. When he says in verse 26... I who speak to you am he. The literal rendering of this is I am. He says to her, that which the Jewish mouth would not even utter to a Gentile. If you ever read uh, someone who's an Orthodox, who's writing in English, you will always see them actually not spell God, G-O-D. It's G hyphen D. To this day, they don't utter his name. And so during that time, they used a tetragrammaton, uh, which is just a four-letter way to abbreviate Yahweh. The covenant name of God. He says to her, I am. In other words, he says, I'm Yahweh. Yahweh, Lord of hosts. The same one that met with Moses on the mountain. The same one who watched the children of Israel come across the Jordan Valley and defeat those in Jericho. I'm he. You see, are you telling people that Jesus is the Christ? Or are you telling him that telling people that he's just one of many ways to find God. Oh, brothers and sisters, they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. And the truth is there's only one God and his name is Jesus. That's the truth. Allah is not Yahweh. Allah is capricious and he only cares for those who are Muslims. Jesus cares for Muslims and Hindus and humanists and secularists and atheists and agnostics and every last person, as we already saw in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his own son. Make sure that you leave Jesus as the Christ. You see, this woman met the wonderful counselor, She came thinking she needed some water in a bucket. And what she found was living water. She came thinking that people would know who she was and they would have nothing to do with her. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords sat down with her and loved on her. That's a picture of grace, isn't it? 
Is that not a picture of grace, church? Are we making God as gracious as he is? Or have we refined grace to the point that it's only available to some? Oh, God, help us to leave Jesus as the answer for all who will call upon his name. He's sufficient for all. She needed living water, and that is exactly what she got. And because of that, she would never thirst again. As the worship team comes back up, would you join me in standing and Perhaps you're here today. Perhaps you came and you thought you were coming to a religious service. If we ever have a religious service while I'm here as a pastor, you have my permission to get rid of me. We're not here about religion. We're here about relationship. Amen? We're here about the one true king. We're here about the only name that can save. And his name is Jesus. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes, please. And please, no one moving around. Please don't take this time to get a head start on leaving. If you're here today and you came in and you're thirsty, your sin has overwhelmed you, and you think no one cares, I'm here to tell you that Jesus cares very much and he loves you and he wants you to love him back and if you want to know him today all you need to do is invite him into your life because he's the only answer to the problem you have and that's you need living water your sins overwhelmed you you've gotten to that place in life to where it's no longer satisfying you recognize it's not going to cure the, the issues. You, you could drink some more. You could have another relationship. But it's not fixing a thing. If that's you and you want to square that away today, I'm going to simply ask you to put your hand up right where you're at. I want to pray with you. You can pray with me. We'll pray together. And you can receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. If that's you, anyone at all, anywhere in the sanctuary, I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand as well. Praise the Lord, I see that hand. Just put your hand up. I I just want to pray with you right where you're at. There's a few things we need to pray about. I see that hand in the back as well. I see these hands in the front. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your gospel. Anyone else? Just a moment longer. You want to know Jesus personally, just put your hand up. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. For those that have raised your hands, church, would you pray with them as they pray these words out loud? Just pray with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And oh, how I need a Savior. And I'm inviting you into my life. I'm asking you to forgive my sin. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's book of life. 
and imparting the Holy Spirit into my life. Pray that you'd help me to walk with you all of my days. Help me to break the chains that have bound me by your work in my life. Cleanse me from the inside out. Make me new in you. Thank you for saving me. I believe this by faith. Thank you for the living water. Help me to never thirst again. In Jesus' name, amen.